This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got a great story of a six-year-old girl getting revenge on a bully. But first, a story from Cyan000. Candy store tries to strong arm me into a purchase I shouldn't have been charged for. I stopped at one of those candy stores inside of malls you always see, with tons of bins of random candy, and the bags you can fill up yourself with the tongs and you get charged some crazy price by the pound. On this visit, they seemed to be running a special. Next to where the bags were kept to fill up your candy, they had a sign saying free cups to store your candy, so I opted for that instead of the bag, knowing they would still weigh the cup anyways. When I got to the counter and they weighed the candy, the total came up on the register, but I had to question them, since I may not have heard the right price, which was about double what I was expecting. I asked how much candy they weighed and what the price breakdown was. The two clerks behind the register looked irritated that I had to question them, but gave me the weight, and also added that they charged me several dollars for the cheap plastic cup that was supposed to be free. Aren't those cups supposed to be free, I asked? They say, no, they're not free, they're $4. I say, there's a big sign saying free cups. They say, no, there isn't. At this point, I walk over and point to the sign that said free. They say, oh, we used to have free cups, but we ran out. So we put jars there instead. I say, isn't that a bit misleading? They say, no, because these are jars. I say, wouldn't it be fair to say someone looking at a sign that says free cups and then sees a plastic container where the sign is assumes that it's a cup they say no because it's not a cup i say there's nothing else around the sign only the containers and a sign that says free no response i was getting nowhere i say fine i'll just dump the candy in a bag and you can keep the jar they say no you can't do that because you already touched the jar and we can't sell it to someone else now they said smugly expecting my defeat I realized that they didn't have my credit card at this point yet, and said, okay then, just keep the candy too. Bye. They realized they would now need to toss out both the candy and the jar I had at this point, and I could feel the daggers being stared at me as I walked out. I both love and despise these kinds of displays because I love going to a store and you see all these different containers filled with candy, the little scoops where you can just fill up bags and whatnot. But I have a major problem with this, and I want to know if anybody else feels the same as me. Beyond from when I was a kid, I don't think I'll ever trust or buy from these things again. Because let's be real, at some point somebody has stuck their dirty hands in there to scoop out a couple pieces of candy for themselves, and it's almost all but certain that that candy is tainted, right? Do you guys feel the same way, or would you trust it anyways? Let me know down in the comments. Our next story is from Disgruntled Veteran. I'm not the vice principal anymore? Okay. Okay, so this happened at the end of this school year. I posted what was going on in the r slash teacher group and several of the people there told me to post what happened in here. This story is in four parts and I apologize for the length. I also apologize for any teacher sling I use as it's like second nature to use it just like military cargo when I was in the military. 
Basically, I was told that all the assistants slash vice principals in the district, other than at the high school, were being let go and a teacher on assignment was going to take our jobs. I was not heartbroken over this, but was treated badly by the new admin team taking my job and my principal's job. Also, I tried to help my staff on my way out, but it seems my bosses cared more about their images than my staff's happiness. So here's the story. Part 1. So none of the other admin in my district had received our contracts for the coming school year yet. I was wondering what was going on, but I heard rumors about a pay scale shift and that was the reason for it. I found out Wednesday what is actually happening. Every assistant principal and vice principal in the district, why we have two different titles I have no idea, is not getting renewed contracts, except the ones at the high school. Their positions are being eliminated and their jobs are being replaced with a new position that pays a teacher's salary plus a $2,000 stipend. They're replacing the assistant principals with learning coordinators. Apparently the budget is the given reason, but I also heard rumors from someone at the district office. Each of us APs and VPs were scheduled to meet with one of the assistant supers Wednesday. We thought it was about our contracts and we were correct. When I arrived, the acting superintendent was there with the head of HR. I was told about the elimination of my position, but not the reasons why. I was then given the option for the coming school year. I could go back into the classroom, I could work in the district office, or I could apply an interview for the new positions that's replacing my job. What the freak? I wouldn't care one lick if I was told that my position had been cut completely and I needed to go back into the classroom. I love the classroom. I miss teaching full time. However, to tell me to apply an interview for a job I already have is BS. We were told to give the district our answers by Friday and they would draw up contracts or schedule interviews. Wednesday afternoon, I went to see Tony, who's an assistant superintendent and one of the few decent leaders in the school district. I heard from Tony that there's an internal shakeup, but he wasn't allowed to talk about it or even give me a hint about what happened. However, one of the assistant supers was being reassigned, aka demoted, to being the principal of my current school. My principal was not coming back due to health reasons, the superintendent was released from his contract, and my school's new learning coordinator position had already been filled. Who filled it? A school counselor from one of the high schools who just happens to be a friend and a lackey of the assistant super that is now the new principal. So early this morning, I gave them my answer. I decided that I didn't need until Friday to decide. I tried to make sure that I sounded professional, but I made sure that my message was getting across by speaking with authority. I went into the acting superintendent's office and told him that I thought that laying off a bunch of people so they could hire others to do the same job but at less pay was BS. I also told him that the way the school district handled certain situations was idiotic. I then gave several examples. I next told him that he was going to ruin a perfectly good school with an amazing team of educators by putting a lazy, mean, parent-pleasing person in as its new principal and letting her put a lackey in as her second-in-command. I said that she was as useless as a screen door on a submarine and as mean as Dolores Umbridge. I finished the three-minute speech by stating that I'll work my butt off and finish the school year strong. I'll prep things for the next school year so that the teachers have an easier time. I also let him know that I would never work at or recommend the district to anyone ever again. 
Then I left, letting him know that I expect an amazing letter of recommendation by the end of the school day Friday afternoon since I earned it for my service for the past few years. So what am I going to do now? Well, I called up an old friend Wednesday who's currently a principal at a STEAM charter school that's part of a chain of charter STEAM schools and asked if he had a teaching position available. He's been asking me every year for the past five years to come work for him. He told me that he had three openings and I could have my pick of them. So, next year I'll be a, drum roll please, 6th grade teacher, and I'm very happy about it. I even get to design my curriculum as long as it meets state standards. I could apply elsewhere for admin positions, but I think I need a break from school leadership. I need to love my work again like I used to as a teacher. Yes, there were and are many challenges and sometimes I hated going to work, but I do love being a teacher. I feel bad for my current staff because the regime change will hit them hard, but there's nothing I can do about it. I wish I could help them. The most I could do would be to take a teaching position at my current school, but then I would be miserable with them and be helpless to do anything to aid them. So for myself and my daughter, who I love more than anything, I'm making the move to a new school and going back to what I enjoy doing, teaching. I'm even bringing my daughter to my new school to start next year as a fifth grader. I asked her if she wanted to stay at her current school or go to the STEAM school with me, and she wants to go with me. She was excited since she's visited there several times and loves the technology room, the robotics class, and the science labs. Plus, she's friends with some of the kids there already. As a goodbye to my old staff, I'm going out this weekend and I'm going to buy some nice letter paper and scratcher tickets. I'm going to write short, individualized goodbyes to each of my staff members, and at the end I'll include the following words. I'm giving you some scratcher tickets. My hope is that you're as lucky scratching them as I've been lucky to have worked with you. So that's it. I have to finish my contract, but at the end of June, I'm free. I'm looking forward to teaching full-time again and having a boss who will let me just do my job and not interfere. I don't think I want to work in administration again, but maybe after a few years, I'll decide to work as an AP again. Part 2 So I put together goodbye gifts for all my staff, and I'll be handing them out Friday, their last day with kids. They have a bunch of goodies that I posted about weeks ago. I was thinking this weekend about how to give the finger one more time to the district office and help my teachers out, even in a small way, so I came up with it Sunday night. My district requires each teacher to attend additional training throughout the year. These are outside of the regular staff development trainings. They're run by district staff, SPED teachers, and admin. The training normally lasts one to three hours, and the teacher gets a certificate for the time spent in the training. Each teacher is required to attend 24 hours of these before the end of the school year. Most teachers just take them over the summer if they're offered, so they don't have to take them during the school year. So I yesterday morning, before work, was making copies of the certificates for all the courses I've run here the past few years. Classroom management strategies, lockdown procedures, social studies strategies, math strategies, reading comprehension, and environmental print. I'm going to fill them out with each of the teacher's names and numbers of hours. I'm adding all the times I ever spoke to the staff about these topics and putting down hours to correspond. Rounding up to the nearest hour-ish, wouldn't you know, each of those topics was 3-5 to five hours in length. Each staff member will have exactly 24 hours worth of training. I filled out the dates of the training for the 2022-2023 school year. Oh, and I have attendance sheets with all of their names and have them marked as being present. 
Note, I checked with the district and since I'm still an administrator into the summer, I am allowed to run these trainings over the summer before I leave. Now they can have their summer to themselves and not worry about taking classes during the school year. They can if they wish, but 99% of the teachers here hate the mandatory training hours. I hope the staff likes the present. Part 3. Since Friday, I'm no longer a school administrator. I technically have another week to work, but I took vacation during that time because, well, screw them. Now, I spent the last week packing up, giving aid and comfort to my now former staff, and causing problems for the new administrators, who are jerks. Now, besides giving the entire staff a year free from additional PDs, I wasn't planning on causing any more problems. Just quietly leave and drive off into the sunset, chain style. But no, apparently I don't deserve a quiet week. The new principal, demoted from assistant super, and her new teacher on assignment decided for some reason to be rude to me. There was only one response to that. I aimed to misbehave. How are they rude to me, you ask? First off, they ordered me to hurry and clean out of my office. Apparently the teacher on assignment wanted to start redecorating my office. I was literally told, get all of your personal stuff out of here ASAP. She wants her office now. I still had a week to work there and actual work to do. Second, the new principal tried to steal my personal chair and my personal office supplies and decorations. That chair was a gift to me from a friend. I found her just wheeling it out of my office and into hers. My desk supplies and a banner for my wall were stacked on its seat. I told her that it was my personal chair, not the district's. She said okay. The very next morning, I found it missing. She had moved it into her office after I left for the day. Third, I was given a list of tasks to complete by Friday by the TOA, who was in no way, shape, or form my boss. These were not my job to do and are in fact the incoming admin's duty to complete. Stuff the new admin was supposed to do. Things like put together a new staff packet, schedule next year's PDs, fill out and submit request forms, etc., Finally, I was talked down to every single day by the new admin team. I was spoken to as though I were the hired help and they were the royal witches. Seriously, I speak to a waitress that messes up my order with 20 times the amount of respect that they showed me. They actually tried to get my attention by snapping their fingers at me, like that would work. Note, the new principal also has made some pretty anti-LGBTQ comments. I don't like narrow-minded people. So I decided to do as I was told. I was a soldier, so I know how to follow orders. 1. I removed everything that was my personal property. That included my chairs, decorations, the stress relievers, punching bag, etc. The fridge from the office and the file cabinets in my office. Yes, I bought government surplus cabinets because I didn't have any. All my files and all my former principal's files were in there. I'd even bought the manila folder I used in it. So I took every piece of paper out of my cabinets, removed them from my labeled folders, and stacked them on the floor into one large pile. There's no order to how they were stacked. I took my chair from the principal's office while she was in a meeting with parents. I just walked in and rolled it out. She stopped talking to the parents to ask what I was doing, and I responded that I was taking my personal property out ASAP as I was ordered to do. I had an old medium-sized fridge I'd placed in the office workroom for office staff to store their food in, but it's mine. So I took the fridge. I brought it in right out the front door and loaded it into my truck. I even took the new admin's food out of it and left it on the table. It's my fridge. I warned the rest of the office staff that I was taking it, but 
forgot to tell the admin. Darn. Two, I copied all my digital files over to a flash drive and then deleted. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Get everything off my work Google Drive. Anything I personally created or designed. 3. Copied all my emails to 4. I informed the staff that if they need time off next year and need it approved, to submit the forms to me this week. I got several and they're all now approved. I got this idea from someone who messaged me here on Reddit and suggested I do this. Thanks for the advice. 5. I personally approved every supply list item the staff submitted and even drove to the district warehouse to pick up some items personally. I even approved funds for a secondhand kiln for the art teacher. She found a good one on Craigslist. 6. I'd repaired my desk with bolts and tools from home. I took the bolts back. The desk is now lopsided again. The closet door was broken when I got there, so I repaired it. I now put it back as it was when I was hired. 7. The two-way mirror to the detention room was mine. I'd gotten it from a friend at another school, a different district. It allowed me to watch the in-school suspension and detention students from my office without them seeing me. I popped that right back out and took it home. Now, the TOA has a hole in the wall that attention kids can look through. 8. I'd put together all the lockdown buckets and fire drill bags myself with my own money. I took all of them back. This I felt bad about, but I'll give them out to the staff at my new school. 9. I put a rush order on all classroom and building repairs and have approved an order to have every classroom repainted. 10. I assembled new staff packets and the new school year binders. Besides the basics of what's required, I've included throughout the binders in random places Dilbert cartoons, famous Harry Potter quotes, the lyrics to Nickelback's How You Remind Me, I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry, All Star by Smash Mouth, and We Built This City by Starship, a map of the area where I marked all the good places to eat lunch off campus, funny farside teacher comments, cheesy teacher jokes, the union contact info, crossword, sudoku, and word searches, a list of educational lawyers, just in case. I also included in the binder the admin Wi-Fi password for them, since that signal's stronger for some reason. 11. I went ahead and wrote out the PD schedule for next year. Oddly, every Wednesday is listed as free time or work in your classroom. I'm sure they'll change it, but I don't know when they'll find out what it says. 12. I had a master list of donators and partners in the community. It was posted on a whiteboard in my office. I got over four dozen businesses and people in the community to help with various things or donate over the years. 
I spent a lot of time building relationships with them and making deals. I took a photo of it, and then I erased the list, and I took the whiteboard since it was mine. 13. Friday, I flew the LGBTQ flag instead of the state flag. I also placed LGBTQ flags in each classroom in case the staff want to display them. Then I got yelled at three times. The first time was when I took back my chair. I was told it was unprofessional to just take it without asking, especially with guests present. I responded with, yes, it was unprofessional to take my chair without asking. The second time was when the TOA found the refrigerator gone. She said that it was community property. I told her, no, it's my property, and I was told to take all my property from the campus. The third time was when I was in the parking lot leaving and they found the piles of papers. The principal flagged me down and told me to clean it up. I told her I was off the clock and that the district never reimbursed me for the cabinets, so I had to take them with me. I'm expecting a call from HR today asking for my assistance setting everything back up since with all my stuff removed and erased, the admin team has to actually put in some hard work. I'd come in for my consultant rate, $75 an hour with a minimum contract for 12 hours. Part 4. So, as some of you know, I left the world of being an administrator a few weeks ago. I tried to leave behind some nice gifts when I left. I wasn't looking to cause problems my last few weeks, but the new admin team treated me in a way that was unacceptable. So I decided that Malcolm Reynolds had it right when he said, I aim to misbehave. Well, the Tuesday after I left, I received a call from HR. I ignored it. I then left for a road trip with my daughter where we went to San Francisco for a few days and went to two Giants games. Unfortunately, they lost both games. While we were on our trip, they called and emailed me at my personal email account. My work one was deleted by them. I ignored the calls and never opened the emails. My daughter and I then went to Disneyland for a few days of fun and then returned this past Friday. I then checked the voicemails and emails. I was asked, begged, and then ordered to come back to the HR for important meetings. It is very important that we speak to you as soon as possible, is what they said repeatedly. So yesterday I went into the district office wearing cargo shorts, a shirt I got at Disneyland, and flip-flops. I don't work there, so I don't need to dress up. When I arrived, I was originally treated like a visiting VIP. The HR manager and her assistant tried to butter me up like a Pillsbury biscuit. After a few minutes of them trying to make small talk, and me then letting them know that I had plans to go to lunch in 30 minutes, they got to the point. They wanted me to turn over a few things that I took with me that, though they belonged to me, they said were sorely needed at the school. They gave me a list from the new principal which included but wasn't limited to my chair, seriously, my refrigerator and appliances, my community contacts board, people and businesses that I build relationships and partnerships with, my personally designed forms and worksheets, two-way mirror, my lockdown buckets and fire drill bags. They also wanted copies of every record I kept and notes I took on the staff and students. The notes I took on the staff were so I could personalize gifts for them and have conversations with them on their interests. I said no to all those requests. I told the ladies that the furniture and appliances were mine that I brought in. I stated that the chair was a gift to me from a friend and that the new principal can afford to buy her own chair. I also stated that I left any official school and district documents there and any I took with me and or deleted were of my own making and my intellectual property. 
I also stated that my contacts were developed over the years on my personal time and at personal cost to me. I also stated that everything I took that I had submitted reimbursement for was never reimbursed. I kept my records and pay stubs. I never saw a red cent from those submissions. They offered to pay me for some of the items and gave me a rough figure of what the district would pay me to return the fridge, the forms, the buckets, bags, mirror, and the contact board. I told them that I didn't want to hand them over to the new admin team since they treated me so poorly. They asked me again and tried to reason that some of those things could be interpreted as school property. I told them that they're welcome to try and force me to return anything that was legally mine to them, but I would be willing to fight it in court. I also told them that those two new administrators made me uncomfortable and that their treatment of me could be considered making a hostile work environment especially when they try to make me do their jobs for them. I then gave the HR team my lawyer's info. Note, I dated a lawyer after my divorce for a few years, and we're still good friends, and she's offered herself as my forever retained lawyer, that I can use her name and she'd help me if she could. I rarely use her name, but when I have needed her legal advice, she always comes through. I also help her with physical chores when she or her family needs help. I then wished the ladies a good school year in the term to come and left. I doubt I'll ever hear from them again. This is great because this is the kind of revenge anybody in that situation who gets uprooted, replaced, and treated like crap would want to do. I feel like going along with this, I wouldn't even have the spine OP did have here up until the point where they try to take my chair. Imagine you get gifted a really nice chair, you've used that chair for years probably, and somebody comes in, you say, oh that's mine, don't take that, and they wheel it out anyways and they're off using it in their office. That would annoy me enough to take that back and take everything that's mine back. I don't blame OP one bit. Our next story is from Small Town TA. Sometimes, I wonder what kind of person I'd be if I'd never been medicated at all. Six-year-old girl gets revenge on a bully. I'll be honest here, sometimes I think about the time I got revenge on my childhood bully. For context, I was still in the trial phase of searching for the right ADHD medication. I was 6 years old at the time of this story, and outside of my parents and my daycare and elementary teachers, no one else has heard this before. There was a girl who had just moved to the area and was only there while her dad was stationed at the army camp, base, whatever you want to call it. She was an aggressive, most likely angsty, angry teen who was tired of moving every two to three years. I see that now as an adult. I'm 22, so this was about 15-ish years ago. Anyway, I had to sit at the very front of the bus because I had a severe peanut allergy. This girl, we'll call her Kendra, partly for anonymity, partly because I can't remember her name now, had gotten into some serious trouble and was forced to sit at the front with me for the next two weeks. Each day, she would take my backpack and throw it on the ground, stomping on it and getting it covered in mud, before she'd shove me into the wall and sit on me. Keep in mind, she was a rather heavy-set 13 or 14-year-old, and I was a 6-year-old who weighed maybe 30 pounds soaking wet. I was incredibly tiny, thanks IBS, and she would use that to her advantage. We had folders called Moose Books, and she on a few occasions took my homework and notes out and ripped them up or crumpled them so I couldn't write well on them, which led me to have to pull my card two times. One particular day, she saw that I'd just gotten a new pair of glasses, really cool early 2000s sunglasses. She took them off my face and snapped them in half before resuming her regularly scheduled crushing me against the window session. 
I was sobbing in pain and absolutely terrified. The bus was so loud I couldn't be heard over the noise. The next afternoon I decided, maybe that's a strong word, to get revenge. I sucked bruises like hickeys into my own skin, on my arms mainly. I also bit myself hard enough to bruise for good measure. When I got off the bus at my after school daycare, again after being hurt but not like what I'd done to myself, my teacher freaked out. I told my teachers that my bully had been biting me and punching me, hence the bruises. They ended up calling my parents, who then called the school. My bully ended up having to change bus routes. And I also got in trouble, but just for lying. They reviewed the camera footage and saw everything but the part I'd lied about, obviously. The thing is though, I didn't feel remorse until I got into trouble myself. Only then did I feel bad. I feel like I could have handled it better, but hey, not bad for a six-year-old, right? This is legitimately like the six-year-old version of all those characters in movies and TV shows that punch themselves in the face or headbutt walls or something to get themselves all bloody and beaten so they can blame it on somebody else. But I mean, at least in this situation, Opie was doing it for a very legitimate reason. And I mean, if that was the catalyst to actually get somebody to notice Opie's issues, I'd say it was a net positive, honestly. In our final story of the day is from Tubist61, Dealing with an entitled neighbor. Just flipping through, reading a few stories about entitled drivers getting their just desserts. This made me think back to my days as a paramedic. We got a call to a house where there was this bariatric patient who had fallen. The patient was morbidly obese and weighed around 30 stone, 420 pounds. The story isn't really about them though. There's many reasons people get to this size and I've never judged, only helped. No, the problem here was a really arrogant neighbor we'd come across before. And boy was this chap a judgmental moron. Our patient had a car and had a disabled parking permit. They also had a council designated disabled parking spot outside their home, which the neighbor kept parking in. There'd been a number of letters from the council regarding this and a number of parking fines just served to annoy this chap even more. On the day of the story, I took the call that the patient had fallen and we went to the house. Sure enough, the neighbor was not only parked in the disabled spot, but had parked a second car blocking access to the patient's driveway. I assessed the patient and suspected they had broken a hip, so they needed to go in. I sent my colleague around to the neighbor to ask them to move the cars, and when they came back, I was told the neighbor had just told my colleague to do one. No problem, time to get the message home. I radioed through to our control center and asked for fire service and police. We needed the fire service to help lift the guy, and the police to do a little parking control. The fire service were the first to arrive, and I spoke to the crew commander to let him know what the situation was. A fireman went to the house to ask the neighbor to move the car, and was told the same as my colleague. The message was relayed back, and the watch commander just asked me one question. Is the patient's life at risk? I knew exactly where this was going, and it was time our thoughtless neighbor got the message. My answer was, yes, there's equipment I need to get into the house and the driveway is blocked, preventing me from doing so. The watch commander told the fire truck driver to move those vehicles. It was really satisfying to see both vehicles being pushed down the road by the fire service and the look on the neighbor's face as he came out spitting and screaming was well worth seeing. His complaints to the police fell on deaf ears. They were well aware of his history of obstruction. 
and my clinical assessment that the patient's life was in danger was more than enough justification for the vehicles to be moved. I doubt it made our patient's life any easier, and sadly they died a few months later without leaving the hospital, but it really did bring a smile to their face as we wheeled them out. Considering they went to this neighbor's house and told them that your neighbor is having a medical emergency and we need you to move your vehicle, and they acted like that, I feel like they deserve to have their car compressed into one tiny little cube and left on their front doorstep. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video, or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 